Hey guys, this episode's gonna be broken into two pieces. We just wanted to prompt you with that now. It's gonna be part one and part two. In part one, we're gonna cover the lead up to the Breck Epic and the first three stages. And then in part two, we're gonna finish off the last three stages along with you know what we had learned at the halfway point and at the finish point. But just want you to know to buckle in, this is gonna be a two-part episode and we're gonna go ahead and get the first part started off right now. You said it to the be elitist. Hey everybody, welcome back to No Ride Around. Um, here we are. We are one week after completing the Breck Epic, the big I, one. I didn't think, okay, so Harley's got his buckle with him right now, looking like John Cena, you know, 1998, <laughs> it's crushing. Uh, dude, come on, like, say with you got the buckle on right now. I, I mean, I don't have the buckle on because it's giant. It is giant. Um, but, I mean, fuck yeah, right? Right. Like, that was a big deal. We've been riding bikes together for some time and talking about bikes for even longer than we've even been riding bikes. Yep. And I've never known you to do that much mountain biking in that short amount of time ever. I, I, I That's because I never have. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's crazy amount. It's crazy the amount of mountain biking that you do. Yeah. And I'm gonna, we're going to talk about this at length today, but um, it's a mountain biking event. Yeah. Yeah, there's a when we get a little bit further into the episode, I have some kind of big revelatory moments about what kind of race that this actually was versus what my preconceived notions were and what the reality was. Yeah, dude. I mean, first off, congrats to you for doing it. Thanks, man. You too. I mean, well, th- thank you. <laughs> uh, it was huge. This is like not just the bike thing, not just a cool capstone to you know, a year and a half of your shop being open, all these like cool things happening, but you had a big birthday and this was the celebration. Yeah. So the birthdays, uh, actually first week of September, but this was the thing, right? right? Um, this was, um, kind of what I wanted to do to celebrate turning 40 this year. Not even kind of, it is what I wanted to do. Yeah. Um, and so, um, even, uh, Molly, my wife, who's, been hard at me to what are we doing for your birthday weekend i'm my emotion is that well i, I kind of already did the thing that i wanted to do <laughs> so yeah like there were, I mean, anything bre- else is just gravy right? <laughs> right 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 it was actually breakfast after the last day and you're like i don't really have we don't need to do like anything. yeah yeah we can stay kinda, home and kind of done it like finish up stranger things <laughs> or, or i can just do another 40 mile seven thousand foot elevation game bike ride <sighs> and not think about it because yeah, so um, what we have on this episode, it's going to be a long one, so strap in. Um, we want to just present the whole experience, um, kind of starting on Friday, um, at, well, to a certain degree, Thursday uh, for Justin. Um, Psychobot that Justin is uh, did Leadville the day before we started Breck Epic. Um, so we just kind of wanted to present you know, everybody that's listened to the previous 17 episodes has been following us on some kind of journey that led to this point. Right. And uh, I think the payoff for them is to get to hear about the whole thing. Yeah, and to understand, so this will be our season finale. This is going to wrap up our first year of No Ride Around. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, there are, in in 
there are so many things to learn in the world of bikes, in the world of fitness, in the world of training. And hopefully, if you if you saddle in for this whole episode, you'll have all the kind of the best sort of experience you can have if maybe this is something you want to do down the line. Yeah, and I think I, I think that's kind of a, a side goal of mine for this this episode. In in prepping for this race, it's oftentimes I find very beneficial to to read other people's experiences. And there's not a lot of it documented out there. There's a couple of good write-ups here and there, but there's not a lot of real in-depth information right? Um, it, it, like there is with Leadville. I mean, going into Leadville, right. there's two movies about it, and you can't throw a rock in Colorado without hitting somebody that's done it twice. Right. So, and really the bit about the epic they do have out there is like from a pro writer. Mm-hmm. So. What about the rest of everybody? Else? Yeah. yeah. What, you know, like, what about the guys who aren't finishing in the top three? <laughs> yeah. Like I'm going to just drive up there after a day of work and then, uh, <laughs> and start. So, um, but this all, this all started off a couple of ways. So you're right. I had Leadville and then we had Roger driving into town. Yeah. Yeah. Roger did his, he got into town, um, Friday afternoon, um, and hit the ground running. I mean, he had his bike to prep, um, you know, when you're training for this stuff, your your bike tends to get pretty beat up. So he had bike prep to do, fresh tires to install, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, we had groceries to get. I mean, we had a lot of prep just to get to the condo in Breckenridge to be ready to race on Sunday morning, starting on Friday. Right. Um, I bet that was a lot of work. Um, I wasn't there for it. <laughs> <laughs> well, not for nothing. You were in a... Uh, in your 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 truck prepping to go smash Leadville. Yeah, I was in my truck hidden. hidden. Like, uh, I did my very best to tap into the spirit that is Leadville. So, um, brief aside, I did the Leadville 100 the day before Breck Epic. And uh, if you guys have ever done Leadville 100 or those that have been up there for the festivities, they have done a really good job of capturing uh, the miner spirit, the, the mining spirit that really was the birth child of the Leadville 100, mm-hmm. right? Um, and so, in typical fashion, uh, I like to have things buttoned up and paired up, a little OCD, like my grips match, unlike Harley's. Harley has mismatching grips, drives me insane. But they match. They match the his kit. Bike. Which, like, in the bike, in the, but like, you just try, <laughs> like, if Abby gets her fingernails and toenails different colors, I lose my shit. <laughs> so, I'm an OCD freak. And so, in keeping with OCD spirit and the minor spirit, I camped on Thursday and Friday in Leadville up in the historic section of mines where exactly where you're not supposed to. Yeah. There's like these signs that say no camping, but I found if you drive into the woods, you can hide yourself. And so I really spent while you guys were rushing around getting bikes and gear and groceries and everything we needed. I was in the woods, in the mines, like with the spirits of the old miners that were probably buried beneath me. Nice. And, uh, just trying to woosaw my way away from life and into this world that I was going to live for the next nine days. Yeah, you got to get that focus, right? Just like bike if, race. You yeah, know? if you're focused on what's going on at, at your business or in your personal life, it, it tends to detract from your ability to perform, but also just your experience. Yeah, you know, I mean, yeah, I could have e- easily just worked through the week and then rushed up there to do Leadville, but no, that's not what we do this for, mm-hmm. right? Um, <clears throat> so I was up there. We didn't even communicate. You know, we were. I was just kind of was like, they're going to kind of have all that stuff figured out. Yeah. Um, major credit to you for uh, creating a uh, a menu for the week. 
Because, I mean, as previously stated in one of our episodes, um, you know, you and I may not make great vacation adventure buddies, but having, you know, Justin in the quiver for a race vacation um, was a huge asset. I, I loved it because it made sense. You're like, I'm an out, I can see where you came from. You're like, well, I'm just going to outsource this. Yeah. Dude, put together a menu. And I'm thinking, dude, this is perfect. Yeah. <laughs> Back to the OCD thing. I can have exactly what, what I wanted. Yeah. Uh, but I and kept it simple. We had yeah. three days of racing. We had, or we had six days of racing. We had three menu days and we re- repeated it twice. Yeah. And, and the food was chock full of like complete proteins, easily digestible foods, a lot of, uh, a lot of foods that helped with like vasodilation. So like beets and, and garlic and things that were going to help our just blood work the best and recovery fuel. And so, um, it was great. And so all of it was there. You yeah. Know, when I rolled in, you guys had like 84 bananas on that the was, countertop. So Roger, so um, I had some stuff to button up on Saturday before I left uh, at the shop. And then I also, because I had been trying to get things in order at the shop, um, I hadn't packed a single stitch of clothing until Saturday. Nothing. Which, <laughs> we'll learn in the takeaways. You really don't need a lot of clothing. <laughs> no, no. Uh, we'll get there. We'll get there for sure. But, um, but yeah, I. Uh, so I, I, I gave Roger my my credit card and the shopping list, and I was like, "Go get it." And uh, he he adhered stringently, like even Dude, I think by nailed brand, it. nailed it. Too. <laughs> Yeah, I can just picture he's at grocery stores he's never been into, yeah. right? In a, in a, in a town that's that not very familiar. Yeah, yeah right? Yeah. And he's driving around, and he's he's like, it says seeds of change, rice, quinoa mix. <laughs> you know what I mean? I can just see yeah. it. Um, and, and, and to take it a step further, I needed stuff for my own, like breakfast and snacks. I was like, okay, I need this oatmeal, and I need, you know. So in addition to your list, I had my own list that I added, and it was all like, by brand, right. so he was definitely sitting there, just like walking up and down aisles, oh, for sure, reading like labels. The ultimate Where's Waldo game. Yeah, um, but he he the only thing that he kind of went off the reservation on was, I mean, it was it had to be fifty bananas. No, he there were fifty <laughs> bananas. There. Yeah, easy. Now and, the interesting thing, I kind of busted his chops, but we went all th- we went through all but one bunch of them. Yeah, I think we tossed a bunch of of bananas and then like some spinach. But at the end of the yeah. day, we pretty much ate. Quite a bit of the food, and over the whole time, we didn't we didn't eat out at all. So no. we, we were self sufficient. As a matter of fact, and we'll get to some of the takeaways. We were maybe a little a little too self sufficient. We didn't yeah. take full advantage of uh, the luxuries that the Breck Epic offered. Correct. Um, when we get into it, but you know, I didn't meet up with you guys until Saturday night, and so uh, and I came through pretty jacked up, pretty pretty hair on fire. So um, Justin was up in Leadville. Um, his A race was. Uh, podium spot on single speed Leadville 100. How did that go? Dude, nailed it. Nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you know, it's funny through training, and I, and I don't know if you felt this way with Epic as well, but, you know, through training and training for single speed and doing the other races, I built a lot of confidence where I'm like, dude, I'm going to freaking crush this thing. Like, I know the course. Yeah. I've pre written sections of it on the single speed. This is totally doable. I feel comfortable on the bike. Hell, back at the sunrise to sunset, I rode 120 miles straight. And when I had hit the 100-mile mark, I looked, and I was below nine hours. So I'm right. like, I can do this. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you get up there, and you're at the you're at the racer meeting. You're at the, the event expo. And you see all these other people that, you know, 
they're doing the same thing. Yeah. They were training the same way. And, th- and then the fact that I was camping in the woods with a bunch of dead spirits, uh, I just started spiraling my thought process to the point where I'm like, dude, may- maybe I'm not going to do this. You know? And even in the last like day or two, I'm starting to look at the results from the previous years. And then I'm like, I wonder if that guy's here. And I started to get really, uh, I started to lose some of the mojo and confidence that I had through training in like the final 48 hours. I'm like, what am I doing? And uh, I got a text message from somebody and they just simply wrote, you deserve this. And uh, it was pretty appropriate to get that message because I think that's the, the crux of things is that we may have, we may know how to do all the work and I, I need to do these steps. I need to get to this place. I have to have all this stuff accomplished. But when it comes down to actually completing a goal, you need to feel deserving of it, you know, and not think like, well, I hope I'm lucky enough to get it. Like, it's not about that. Right. Right. And uh, that's where I think I, I got shook because I was like, this is my first year of single speed. I don't know. And just got insecure. So I get this message and I was like, damn it, that's awesome. You're right. Like, I do deserve it. I've done the work. So let myself deserve it. And that really is what fueled me to the race start on Saturday and, and through the whole race. Um, and it went off. And we, I was, so you can track athletes on, uh, on the 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 race registration site athlinks.com and i i was tracking like i was refreshing that page like a fucking crazy person because <laughs> i wanted to know how you were doing and uh it was fun to watch you know your splits and your average i mean you were smoking the course at various points i mean there was one point where your average it, because it'll track uh it'll do the calculations and say okay this rider's average speed is x and at one point you were what 14.7 mile an hour yeah, average speed for the first 40 miles Jesus that's I was flying hauling the mail yeah. uh it is cool so the single speed aspect is, is unique out there right of like of 2200 riders there's only going to be 20 to 30 that are on a single speed mm-hmm. which is neat because as you're riding you get a call you get to call it out you know and I'm single speed on your left and people will get out of your way especially even in places where like Kevins where people are just wrestling each other they just will move out of your way. And so I got a lot of support. Uh, I came into the first real road section and was in with 15 geared racers. I was the only single speed guy. And then I created like a Mighty Ducks flying V for me to sit inside. So I'm sitting and holding 24 miles an hour. On a single speed, which on you have a no speed. business doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so like everything was starting to work really well. Got to the first aid station at 40 miles. Felt amazing. And I asked the, the people on my aid station, um, I'm like, well, what, what place am I? Like, how many single speeds have gone by? They're like, well, I, I don't know. I'm like, this is not the information I Can wanted. Can you please pay attention? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I come through and I'm getting up to Columbine and uh, I see the Cycles of Life bike shop in, uh, in Leadville. And I know they have a guy that races single speed. And so I asked him, like, hey, has your guys' as a single speed guy come through yet? And they said, oh, yeah, just a minute ago, which was bullshit. He didn't. <laughs> but like, the guy's competing against me. So like, I want my of course they're gonna, team to see yeah, it, right? Yeah. So, so I'm like, oh, dude, I'm only a minute behind this guy. Like, So start hammering, and maybe 10 minutes later, I pass a dude who's a single-speed guy, and he's walking his bike on Columbine, and he's in full cramp mode. And, you know, out loud, I'm like, oh, man, you all right, dude? Can I get you anything? Inside, I'm like, you, <laughs> Later. <bitch." laughs> so jacked up. And I go, oh, my God, like, did I just pass the, like, first-place guy? Am I in first place in single-speed? And... That was what was going through my head. And I'm almost to the top of Columbine before the pros start to pass me in the opposite direction. Right. And, you know, you get all the top pros. Howard Grotz comes flying by. Yeah. Like, these guys are hauling, right? And so only thing I'm looking at is not the baby, heady, gravelly trail in front of me, 
But I'm just staring at every single drivetrain that passed me by in the opposite direction <laughs> at 30 plus miles an hour. And I'm like, is there a single speed guy in there? Right. And I watch and I watch it to get through like 15, 20 riders. And then I see a single speed guy. And it was, it was weird. It was almost like the pressure was kind of off for a second. Cause remember, the goal was podium. Mm-hmm. By no means I think I'd win the damn thing. Right. So the guy passes by me and then I watch everyone else. I make my turn at Columbine and now I know I'm in second place. Second place. Holy shit. Of the level 100, right? Second place. Like I jacked. And yeah. so uh, fast forward to get through the course and I get back to my aid again at, at 60 miles now. They go, guys, how many single speeds have passed by? And they're like, well, I don't know. We don't really know. Oh, like, Jesus, guys, come on. Wrong with you guys. Uh, I get to just before power line. So now I'm at mile 80 and my wife shows up out of the blue. She wasn't supposed to be there. Yeah. Or not that she wasn't supposed to she, There was no know. plan. Yeah, no. She just shows up. And that's a great feeling. Yeah. Right. And and that's what, you know. I, hey, both of uh, all the times I've done Leadville, I planned on seeing Molly as like oh, two points in the race where I was going to like have some elation and like get out of that, that pain, that suffering. Totally. That, so I, I get it. Well, and it's, you know, it's so lonely. Training's lonely. Racing's lonely. You're by yourself. And so to know it's like, it, it, there may not be people racing with you. you. My wife's not racing with me. Mm-hmm. That would never happen. <laughs> she can do Leadville, but like, not, <laughs> together. not together. <laughs> no tandem for you guys. Divorce. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> I love you, babe. Uh, but just seeing her lets you realize that like you're not just doing it for you. There's other people that how you finish will affect them also, and it it's inspiring. So anyhow, I'm going by her. What's not inspiring is her and uh, our buddy Brian go, dude, you're in third place. And I'm like, third place? That's bullshit. I'm in second place. And so for just a minute, they had me shook. And uh, anyhow, go through the race. I ultimately ended up finishing the race. Um I was in second place. They they were off. And uh, there's something magical about that red carpet. And when the red carpet came underneath my front tire, I about fucking lost my shit and started bawling my eyes out. You know, you're just like, dude, I just did this thing. Yeah. That was like the thing. Yeah. That was it. The whole year could have, it came down to like that final four mile boulevard section where I've never spun my legs that fast. I PR'd that section. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm like, that was amazing. That boulevard is, that's, probably the worst part of the race dude the worst part until you see the people yeah then it's like the best part of any race ever of all time it's the low and then the high yeah dude, totally <laughs> so yeah came through with second place and uh unlike any other level finish i i i had no pain afterwards i never cramped i i wasn't like i never suffered i never struggled and even afterwards abby's like you look really good like we went and got food had coffee um like i was in a good way and so by the time I got to see you guys uh, Saturday night after checking in at the Epic and get my race kit, I was just on cloud freaking nine. Yeah. I mean, when you rolled in, you didn't even look. You looked like you rolled in from Denver. Almost. Right. Like, yeah. that's, how, that's how I felt. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I hadn't, I hadn't bathed yet, but yeah. it may not smell like I rolled in from Denver. <laughs> I didn't get that close. Um, well, that's awesome, man. Congratulations. Because, I dude. mean... Yeah, I mean, completing Leadville in and of itself, impressive. Getting it under nine hours, impressive. All on a geared bike, and then to to hit that podium and beat your geared time. Yeah, PR'd my best time ever, eight eight and a half hours. Beat my best time by nine minutes, which <laughs> you know nine minutes and on a single speed. So yeah, it was it was huge, dude. 
So, but the Leadville saga wasn't over because you wanted to stand on that damn podium. Yeah, man, you're at this, you're in the auditorium with like, you know, a couple few, couple thousand people, if you include family and all this stuff, and they will call your name out and you're standing on, like, that was the goal. Right. And so, um, well, yeah. and to be clear, a lot of guys who, a lot of the top tier pros, um, you know, was that, is it Payson McElveen and yep. Howard Grotz and those guys, like, they'll go win at Leadville, but to them to be on a podium, Regardless of the event, isn't it's anything... part of their life. I mean, yeah, that's so they'll just, just they roll do. out, go to Breck Epic, and yeah. go win that too. Yeah, mail me the award. Don't mail me the award. Don't care. Whatever. They don't. They're not really. They got the win or the the podium. They're not looking for that moment right. of recognition. Right. Um, you, on the other hand, <laughs> completely opposite. <laughs> I do it all for the glory of standing there and getting my picture taken. Yeah. Because I did it for the gram. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so you had a plan. How'd the plan go? Not well. <laughs> so Leadville does the awards on Sunday. Uh, that's part of their scheme. Gets more people to stay in town. Breck Epic starts on Sunday. Breck Epic starts at 8.30. The awards for Leadville start at 7.30. And how? what's the drive? Because I, I don't really it's know. It's like my drive or like Google? Like a human's drive. It's an hour. Okay. Okay, so it's an hour away. Yeah. So uh, awards are going to start at 7.30. Epic starts at 8.30. I could be at the start of the awards and then drive immediately to Breck and hair on fire, jump into the race. Not going to happen. So I had to be on the podium. And it actually really, uh, I don't know if it disappointed you, but like I felt like it was going to disappoint you because this was our thing, the Breck Epic. And as soon as I got a podium, I'm like, dude, that shit doesn't matter right now. Like, yeah. I, I have to stand on this podium. I got crusty about it, but I didn't know. It was like totally unjustified. It's like my stupid little text message last night. Like, you know, it was like I got grumpy, but it was just because I was being grumpy. Like, yeah, I, I had stress and it needed to go somewhere. And I was right, all so like, I got it. welcome. Yeah. No, I, I felt it because. I mean, at the end of the day, I got it. Yeah. You know, like I understood it 100%. And if there was any scenario where I was on a podium for a thing, like. Yeah, whatever. Fuck the other thing. Yeah. At least for an extra hour. Yeah, and I wasn't... <laughs> yeah, and it wasn't to marginalize the Breck Epic. It was just like, dude, that's the biggest thing that I've ever done. Right. Right? Like, ever. Mm -hmm. And so, I had to be on the podium. So, I had a plan. My plan was drive to Leadville much earlier at like 6 a.m., 6.30, get there well before the awards start, and then ask them, hey, could like, I just get my award early? I'm going to go race Breck Epic. Now, I'm not asking them just as a dude. I'm in full spandex. So, guys, look, like I am going to go race immediately. Like, I have chamois cream on. And uh, so I had to position it the right way. So I go and I ask them. I go, hey, I, you know, this is important, blah, blah, blah. They are ready to give it to me. Give me the award. And they're even going to take my picture on the podium. And I had an uncle. My uncle's in uh, graphic design. He goes, I will superimpose you into the actual podium picture. No one will ever know. I'm like, dude, this is awesome. Yeah. So they're going to give it to me. And then Ken, the the founder of Leadville, the cowboy, overhears it and just looks at me. And this is the guy that's been like the gleeful, giddy. Oh, he's always like, got a smile yeah, on like, his face. Guys, it's about grits, guts, determination. You're going to dig deep and I'm going to be there cheering you on because you can all do it. Say it with me. Yeah. I can do it. It's yeah. like a Barack Obama speech. Yeah, he is. And so he overhears it and looks at me with the darkest expression <laughs> on his face and he goes son Breck Epic ain't never done nothing for me I'm not doing nothing for them you're gonna have to wait for your award and I was like but 
All right. <laughs> All right. I'll do it. Yeah. It was crazy. I'd never seen that. So, you know, like when somebody looks at you like that and says something like that, you're just like, you win. Like, yeah. You can't fight it. So yeah, what are you going to do? I sit in the back of the auditorium from the award start and I'm like, I'm stretching and I'm squatting and I'm doing like all my pre-race stuff. Then I'm like, fuck, I need more shaving cream. So I go out, put more shaving cream on. I come back in. Like I go back out, I check my air pressure. Like I'm doing anything I can do to make sure the bike for Epic is ready to like go. When you roll to Breck, yeah. you can just get on yeah, course. I won't even need to turn the car off. Just yeah. leave the car running. And, uh, and so I'm waiting, I'm waiting. And I tell you what, this year's Leadville had more shout outs, awards, special <laughs> recognitions, special <laughs> speeches, like they had a guy on a, a sponsor talk. I'm like, dude, what is? And I couldn't have been less interested right. in any of it. I ended up getting my buckle, my jacket, all my stuff, and then finally at 8:31, my name is called in front of a couple of thousand people. I get to walk up onto the stage and stand on the podium, get the award, and I was like, totally in the moment, jacked. Nice. And the second I got off that podium, I was like, <laughs> get the, f- I gotta get out of here. Right. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Uh. So yeah, that was that was the saga of Leadville. It was a hell of a deal. Uh, glad I made the decision that I made. Yeah. But it cost me. And when you saw me on course on day one, was I even a little upset? You were <laughs> the happiest Harley of all time. Actually, <laughs> that's going to be a comment as we go through these days. You were like the happiest Harley several times throughout the Breck Epic. And at the point in time when most people would be the most miserable. I saw you covered in mud, water, <laughs> freezing cold on course that first day and you were just like jacked to see me it was so cool you we called can... everyone else at the aid station <laughs> a bunch of slow motherfuckers because of it. like it was beautiful but we're jumping yeah, ahead we're jumping ahead um, um so, that so was, we had our own saga though uh, like our part of your leadville saga was we had to go find a uci official and see if you could start an hour late yeah like, yeah you guys were working on my behalf yeah that morning. um I, and i say we it was it was roger well that's you know <laughs> um so, but, uh, so you started that day. So we'll just jump in. I think we just yeah. jump in. I mean, the night before, you know, we had our traditional Bonza and, and red sauce Bonza. <laughs> uh, meal. Um, everybody got to bed, I think at a pretty reasonable hour. Yep. Early. Um, I think, I think one of the things that, you know, we talked about the amenities that, that Breck Epic offers and the drop bag scenario is probably one of the best put together on-course aid scenarios that I've ever experienced. Yeah, I mean, hand-ups are the best aids ever. That's the best. Okay, but this was like your hand-up hand-ups. Yeah. It so was, it was even better. It was your nutrition. It was whatever you wanted. So when you when you get to Breck and you go th- through your packet pickup and get your, your bib number and your plate, um, you're issued three brand, Breck Epic branded cloth grocery bags, basically. And uh, each day has a certain number of on-course aid stations, and you can put as much shit as you want in those bags. And as long as you drop them off at the race headquarters by 7.30 in the morning and say, I want this bag at aid one and this bag at aid two, um, your shit will be there. Yeah, on-course with volunteers Calling out numbers, pulling yeah. bags. Like as you roll in, your bag's already held open by a volunteer yeah. for you to grab it. Yeah. And they're, what do you need? What do you want out of here? Um, do you need anything that's not in here? So um, I think the volunteer scenario also, I mean, those people are really kind of unsung heroes of, of all the bike races. Um, but I mean, just, just to blindly help strangers. Yeah. All, all day. day. All day. Like they're out there all day. I mean, those the end of those 
the tail end of the races. I mean, some of those people are rolling in pretty late in the day. So massive shout out to the, to the volunteer scenario. Um, so each morning we're setting up drop bags, setting up drop bags. And, and it was kind of fun. Like we all just kind of fell into a role yeah, we almost. Did. And, uh, for whatever reason, Roger took on the drop bag role. So as long as we had our bags ready at about seven fifteen, Roger was getting his his little creeper van and rolling down to. Did we get like so, <laughs> listeners? If you so again, if we have a website, norideround.com, there's a contact page. If through that contact page you want to send like digital payment, uh, Venmo or PayPal or something like that, we can maybe start a fund to get just a window cut into the side of that freaking thing. Because my God, man, <laughs> yeah, it's a. Uh... Roger, it's, I love you, bro, but there's just enough dents and not enough windows to make me scared <laughs> of that shit. <laughs> uh, so, uh, so yeah, Roger would roll down to the aid station or the the race headquarters and drop our drop bags every day. Um, but yeah, so day one, uh, really, it was a it was a challenging day. It's so funny when people look back at day one and, and what a production they made out of it because it made it seem like it was the most miserable thing ever. Um, so just for you guys to hear, uh, the first day of the Breck Epic was a nuclear rainstorm Yeah, in like bitter cold conditions. All day. So you're talking low 40s and rain all day long. Now, this course is in and out of the woods. Um, you know, it's most of the, it's a lot of the Firecracker 50 course. That, and that so, day, yeah. That day, the first day. And so you're not like, it's not warm and it's not terribly inviting terrain. And then it's just nuking rain on you. Yeah. And it's cold. And I think a lot of people, if you looked at the weather forecast, it was actually supposed to go the other direction. And I think a lot of people took that to heart. And underestimated the, the um yeah. I being paranoid and having ridden bikes in Colorado for long enough, went the other direction and I started the day with a raincoat, knee warmers, arm warmers, et cetera, on and I was fine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Roger, on the other hand. Poor Roger. So Roger, as as mentioned, there was, you know, you had aid one and aid two most days, and he had uh, a rain jacket in his aid two bag, which was at 20 miles. Um, And uh, at that point, it's too late. You've been riding in n- nuclear rain for... 20 miles, however long that is. And that's not a fast 20 miles. Um, that particular day was, uh, I got my little, my race maps here. So yeah, we're going to put, so we're going to put a little formula to each of these days. Yeah. And we're going to let you guys know as we go through these stages, what the course was. So brief overview. So you just understand the mileage we were doing in the, in the elevation gain and maybe some of the, the trail that we were on. And then Harley and I are each going to have like a defining characteristic or memory or thought or like to me that stage was x uh and we're going to kind of share those as we go through each of these six stages so you can feel kind of the flow of what a multi-day stage race is like and most importantly like what is the breck epic like as it progresses day over day and we'll take uh kind of halfway through we'll take we'll do a little because i think there was an evolution of what we were learning right throughout the week um so we'll we'll kind of piece into some of that as well so before we jump in, so it was raining in that. Well, before we jump totally into that, what did day one, stage one, what, what were we looking at? Uh, day one, stage one was uh, 36 miles and call it 5,900 feet of climbing. And those 36 miles worked a bulk of the Firecracker 50 course. Um, 
yeah. on and around Breckenridge. Yeah. Um, I, so throughout the whole course, I saw a lot of familiar, or throughout the whole race, all six days, I saw a lot of familiar stuff um, just from having done two rides in that area. Right. <laughs> uh, right. Um, and you crisscross a lot of stuff. I'd be hard pressed to go and find that course again. Um, but uh, I had a lot of people going in. I had some customers and some friends who had done the three day epic, and they're telling me stuff like, oh, you know, the mileage counts aren't quite right. The elevation counts aren't quite right. They're right. Yeah. The mileage counts are dead on, dead nuts on dead nuts on and we'll talk about how i know that and the uh the elevations are i mean i was kind of telling myself the lie that like hey this is going to be hard but maybe it's not as hard as the the black and white piece of paper that says what the what the days are like is um wrong yeah all the way wrong all the way anybody that tells you that the any of it's off or that it's less elevation than they tell you it is they are full of shit (laughs) (laughs) um the only so, thing that changes is your uh, interpretation or the feeling you get when you hear 5,000 feet of climbing. Yeah. Right? If you're not typically doing those types of races, you're like, dude, 5,000, that's a huge day. It's a lot. Right? Just like when like 30 years ago, somebody's like, I'm 40 years old. You're probably like, dude, you're older. You're ancient. <laughs> you're, and now you're like, I'll dude, I feel amazing. That. Yeah. I'll never so, be <laughs> So that was the first day. Um, the, the properties of the first day. But... That was not the hardest part of the first day for most people. It was this torrential rain yeah, all it, day and cold. It, it probably let up for a solid 20 minutes the whole day. Um, it was it was going all day long, and it wasn't light pitter-patter. It was raining. Yeah. It was all the way raining. Um, at the racer meeting that night, they, they said there was a really, like, the highest attrition rate, like, the highest number of DNFs. Um, on a stage one. So many that they actually had to change the rules to the race a little bit, which we'll talk about. Yeah, but a little grumpy about that, but we'll get there. So for you, so this day of, because I didn't get to see you for a little bit. We didn't get to do pre-race together. Yep. Um, I was, I'm in Leadville yeah. alone. So um, what was that day like for you? What was it about? Like, what's that thing about that day? So the night before, it's weird. I've mountain biked thousands of times. The night before, I'm having anxiety about mountain biking. Like, yes, it's a race, and yes, there's like a timing chip and all these things attached to it, and yes, it's day one of six days. But like at at the nuts and bolts of it, I'm not even listening to my own advice. Of racing is just riding your bike with a number plate on. Right, I was just like, about to say. That. Like, I'm I'm not even heeding my own you know catchphrase, if you like. Um, I'm I wasn't say I was like a basket of nerves, but I was like nervous yeah. about doing this event. Um, the night before and all the way to when the start line happened, you know, all the way lining up. Um, but immediately after the first pedal stroke, I was just like, okay, like just do it right. Like this week. And my, my attitude was my strat. It was my race strategy. Like that was my whole race strategy was having a good attitude throughout the whole week and attempting to maintain a good attitude. Um, because I knew, that there was no scenario uh, for me where I was going to be like the guys, the podiums in every class are just blazing fast. So yeah. like, okay, whatever, that's out the window. Um, let's have the experience and then just maintain a really positive outlook the whole week as much as you can. And so, um, 
Yeah, we just started. And, you know, you you fall in with people who are about your speed and it was a little cloggy and congested. But I mean, you, you just get out there and just start working, I think, was was kind of how the day started for me. Um, the weather was grinding on me for a little bit. I think I had had my pivotal moment a little bit before you saw me. Really? Um, and my pivotal, pivotal moment was how many people were just grumpy and grouchy. And there was this old guy who, to his credit, stuck. And when I say old guy, I mean, like, he wasn't, I'm not being like, oh, 50 years. Like, he was probably in his 70s. I mean, just an old, tough dude. But he was just miserable. And I could feel myself slipping into that quicksand. And I, I immediately made the decision to just have as much fun that day as I could. Um, and once I made that conscious decision, I was, I, I remember the moment. I remember exactly. It was a fire road descent. I couldn't see a thing and it was just blazing fast. There's water spraying up off the road. There's mud. My feet are drenched. My hands are drenched. I can barely feel the handlebars and I just, I don't even hoot and holler when I'm having fun. And I just let out the biggest like, <laughs> fuck Yeah screaming down this road moments after seeing that guy. And that was the, that was the moment that I think that helped set the tone for the remainder of the week. And certainly for just maximizing having a good time that day. Dude, that is awesome. <laughs> Cause that's what it's about. That's what it was supposed to be about. Yeah. But you're right. You get so caught up in the, I'm racing bikes and. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you do. And there's a lot of people that, I mean, there's, um, there was a lady on course who has done Breck Epic apparently nine years in a row and finishes it every year and does pretty well, but it's just a grouch to everybody. Yeah. Just, you know, and, and, and there were times throughout the week where, uh, Mike McCormick, who's the, the race director, the owner of the race, it's his, it's his baby. And he had to kind of scold people for being like, guys, like, why are we being mean to volunteers and people who are out there to help you? Yeah. And it was it was a weird tone for a lot of people. Well, I know you were having fun because when I saw you on day one, <laughs> uh, it wasn't as soon as I had hoped to see you, but I saw you in like seven years old, like set like set, you were like a seven year old when I saw you, just <laughs> so happy. Well, first didn't know who I was, um, probably because the glasses were covered in mud. Yeah. But then like connected immediately, and it was like. It just you blew up. Yeah. And you were well, I was, so happy. I was jazzed to see you. I was having so much. I mean, like, just like, remember when you were a kid splashing around in mud puddles. Yeah. Scale that up to being a 40-year-old adult on a bike with a bunch of other lunatic bikers. And there you go. <laughs> <laughs> um, You guys don't, I don't think you started in the rain. No. It, so you were taking a crapshoot being in the rain jacket. Yeah. I started in the rain. Um, yeah. <laughs> so... I finished up the podium and I and I hightailed it like Sirius XM station turbo, full tilt boogie on my stereo, like should have been arrested driving. Right. Uh was prepared to tell them like guys, duh, I'm going to the wreck epic. Yeah. <laughs> uh I roll into the parking lot, start, and rip my bike off the back, change shoes quick, and there's nobody there. Yeah. It's a ghost town. I see the big arch that you guys must have started under, yeah. but it's pulled off to the side, like in the grass adjacent to the parking lot so i rode through it just to get your timing chip started no it wasn't even oh it wasn't even there 
Oh. Like there was no time. I just wrote through it because I wanted this shit to be official. <laughs> so I rode through it and I get out onto the road. Yeah. And I must have rode a hundred yards before I realized I don't have the course map and I don't have a phone. Yeah. I have no idea where I'm going other than I remembered it goes up this road a little ways. Yeah. That's it. Well, and uh, we'll we'll rewind because Roger had a pretty special treat for us, which was top tube stickers with course profiles, mileages, and elevations. Totally. So the whole time we could look down and see, like, okay, at two point six miles, I'm done climbing. I get a descend of four point two. Yep. I climbed at eleven, and that's really helpful when you're when you're starting to fall into those tunnels where you're like. Golly, how much longer of this? You mm-hmm. never say that on a downhill, by the way. No. Just on the ups. I challenge that. A couple of the downhills got a little hard. <laughs> uh, but it was really helpful to have that. Yeah. But that's all that I had. It, uh, an elevation chart doesn't really tell you when to turn left. No, it, it, it's, it's, it's very two-dimensional. So I jump on to the road, start making my climb up, and a lady comes down in her car, and she's like, woo! And I was like... Woo, is the bike race this way? She goes, yeah. And I just keep pedaling. Like, I don't know if that was an affirmative yeah. or like a, yeah, like good job. <laughs> so I get up uh, further further up the road, you know, uh, about a half mile. And three people pop off a bike trail in my, my gear. And I'm like, hey, guys. They're like, hey. And I'm like, is this the way to the Epic? They go, yeah, but they're taking all the course markings down. So you better hustle up. <laughs> oh, shit. I'm in a world of problem right now. Yeah. So I make it up the road, you turn on the dirt road, and I'm and I'm going, and I get to 2.6 miles. I only know that because it's on the chart that Roger made for us on my top tube, and it shows us going to a steep downhill at 2.6 miles. Well, the Firecracker 50 course, which is the same up to this point, continues Keeps on the going. dirt road. That doesn't go down. To the left is this Baker Tank Trail. Uh, so I ride up that a little ways. I'm like, no, we're supposed to go down, not yeah. up. I turn around. And so then I'm at a crux moment. I'm sitting here. I'm like, I don't really know where, where to go. And as I'm looking around for a downhill across the road, behind me just a little bit is a steep downhill that you guys probably went hauling the mail into Aspen Alley. It must have been like a nice drop. You'd love to think so. Well, <laughs> it probably was carved up. <laughs> so I'm looking and I see like, oh shit, there we go. And there's tons of tire marks I can see just merging into there. Yeah. And from that point on, until I caught up to you yeah. for the most part. Uh, I just had to follow tire tracks and thankfully it was raining mud yeah. for the next 10 miles. Yeah. Um, so I got a clean course by myself, which was way more fun, I'm assuming, than your busy course just with people. Yeah. But for 10 miles, I have no course markings. I am just heads down following dirt trail tire marks to keep the course. Yeah. In Roger's uh Roger's map. The little elevation profile map. So yeah, at 10 miles I caught back up to the back of the field, start to see yellow arrows for the first time. It's been like an hour and 15 minutes. And then I was on course and ready to meet up with you guys. And I think that I like the course markings that they did. did the great. little confidence ribbon. Dude, it's awesome. So you have your arrow, and then typically within 20 feet or so of yeah. your arrow, there's in case you were curious. In case you're like, I don't know, did I grab the right turn? Right. They have just a little pink confidence ribbon that's like, yeah, yeah, you're good. You're just right keep spot. going. And they even used them like on long stretches of maybe like a fire road that mm-hmm. was the same road. Yeah. Like you could not have turned. Yeah. Right. There was nowhere but to go. Just in case. But you've been you on go. it long enough. You're like, did I miss it? I a had turn? moments like that yeah, throughout the whole week. And every time that moment came up, like within a minute, there's a freaking confidence <laughs> yeah, ribbon. Yeah. Well named. Yeah. Uh, 
my defining moment for day one was uh was was very similar to yours. It was that, you know, I just come off a very serious, taken very seriously race for myself. Mm-hmm. Very like, you have to be here at this time. And started a race an hour late, don't even have a course marked, uh, not around anybody, have no idea what the really hell is going on. Uh, all you got to do is ride your bike as fast as you can to try to find your friends. Yeah. In the rain, in the mud, and just go. Yeah. And uh, it made me realize that, like, this shit's not that serious. Yeah. And that was my moment for the for the first day. It was like, it's not that serious. Just you're you're having fun. Dude. Yeah, and it was a fun day. I mean, it it will go down in my life up to this point as easily one of the top three most fun days I've ever had on a bike. Agreed. Far and away. Agreed. Just flying like we were so much. People are like, how muddy were you? Great question. When I got done with the race and we were back at the condo and I went to the bathroom because I had to go, you know. And I mean the full bathroom visit. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I was trying to clean myself, and it never stopped. Like never I stopped was, being dirty. It was always dirty until I realized <laughs> I'm actually just wiping mud from the top of my ass through it. Yeah. <laughs> just get in the shower. Just, just hop in, bro. <laughs> um, the course finished in the on the Carter Park DH, and that's fun, right? Yeah, way fun. Um, flowy fun, but you can't. Uh, I, I played golf a long long time ago before I found bikes. It's a horrible waste of time. And uh, I remember playing with a golf professional, and he had said one of the ways to instantly fix your golf swing was to dunk your hands in uh, ice bath or ice water in your uh, at the cart and just freeze your hands out and then go grab your club because then your hands are frozen and you can't overwork the club. That was like a tip, right? Right. Well, it works for mountain biking too because that descent on Carter couldn't Park. Feel I didn't use brakes because I couldn't function. My hands didn't work anymore. Yeah, yeah. No, I the that was a big thing that day. Was just like I I think I'm holding my bars. <laughs> can't feel my hands. Can't feel my feet. Yeah. Um, because we're talking about stage one and the high attrition rate. Um, I feel like I need to talk about the buckle thing right now. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, now's just a good time as any. Yeah, you might as well. Um, I disagree with what Mike and the powers that be ultimately decided on. There was a, a massive attrition rate on day one. He said it was the highest ratio of DNFs to finishes they've ever had in the history of the race. He also said it's the hardest day they've ever had in the race in 11 years. So... I guess I have to take it a little bit with a grain of salt. But they made the decision that even if... So the standing rule had been, if you don't finish day one, you can still enter what's called the Fondo, which is basically they pull you out of your age category, but you can complete the week. You You get a ride for fun. You get to ride for fun. Hey, you paid a thousand bucks to be here. A lot of people... So what was it? 25 countries and 40 states represented at this year's race. That's awesome. And a lot of people took a lot of resources. Less than 2% of the total field was from Colorado. Um, And so a lot of people went through a lot of sacrifice and hardship, both financial and time-wise, to come do the event. So I I, I support that. Pull them out of the age category. They don't get a a ranking within whatever they designated as their age group and category. But let them finish the, the experience. Caveat, they should have to start at the very back. Yeah, they didn't really do anything to... No, they let them start wherever they wanted. Uh, You should have started the back. Yeah. Because people are are racing, you should be able to race. Right. Um, So I'm on board with that. But then they made the decision that even if you DNF stage one and finish the rest of the week, 
You got your bad motherfucker. You got your belt buckle. That literally says on the back. Bad motherfucker. Yeah. Like stage one was the defining moment of this year's race. Right. And to be a bad mother, you know? Yeah. To go that distance, to give yourself that title after you quit the first day. Because, you know, they had talked about how, like, you know, if if we were smarter, we would have called the race or pulled you off course. Well, you did it, you know? And there's a lot of people that finished like we did with mud or ass, frozen feet and hands. But Roger was about to die. Yeah. I mean, he was miserable. Uh, But that's part of it. It, 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 Yeah. They made a whole production out of this. They spent way too much time talking on it. Yeah. I don't know. It pissed me off. (laughs) It let everybody win. Yeah. Um, I, I was mad about it. And then I decided that my belt buckle just means more than theirs does. So yeah. fuck them. Yeah. No, it, yeah. And it, it, it does. Uh, you know, we came into this, like this buckle bit a lot when we were like, prepping for this race. We've talked about it all season yeah. on the podcast. Now that it's over, I realized it didn't fucking matter about the fucking buckle. Like they have them on a big old table. They do. You just go get, and there's some guy who just says, did you finish all six yeah. days? Like there's no, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very unceremonious. <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, you know, not to compare the two, but like Leadville, like you can't pick up anyone else's. Like it's a very yeah. official thing. Uh, I think they can amp up a little bit, like what that yeah. token meant. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I just need to say that it, it was, it's the only thing that I didn't like about the whole race was just he, the, he sold it as wanting to do the right thing. And I think he did the right thing for a minority of people. But at the same time, undersold the value of what this token means. Yeah. To the rest so. of us. But day one in the books, we're frozen. You know, um, we got our, we're out of cars in the ice rink lot, and we realize like we are covered in shit head to toe. There's no way we're like we're not going. We can't if we go back into the condo. This thing's destroyed. Yeah. So we end up spending the next like two hours trying to find this mythic uh <laughs> laundromat freaking laundromat uh we find the laundromat finally and there's no laundry soap so we have to track down laundry yeah. soap i have a little conniption fit and i just tear off running <laughs> down main street of breckenridge running. sprint full sprint to because it's taking too long to get the damn soap i'm irritated i'm like harley i got the soap i just sprint to the, like, the store all right <laughs> uh we end up yeah find a laundromat we clean all of our clothes and we're trying to like kind of put ourselves back together after day one because we had these detailed bicycles going into stage one. Yeah. At the end of stage one, we had three grocery carts that had no business being ridden ever again. With no brakes. And no brakes. So I think, and I think that's one of the things that I didn't realize or I kind of undersold was once you're off the bike, how much of like a fever pitch it is to get ready the next day. Yeah, I, it was funny. It wasn't until that next day that, I remember, I'm like, oh, I probably should talk to the guys. LaRuda felt the same way for me last year. Right. I, get, I would get done with the day and they'd be like, dude, there's so much stuff to do to get ready for the next day that there's not really, in my mind's eye, we were going to be chilling in the condo, reading books, no. watching movies, no. like chilling. And you're like, no, like the second the race is over, your food right away, shower. We had this amp lotion, which we'll end up talking about, yeah. rubbing uh, recovery lotion on your legs, doing Norma Tech sessions. Uh, Back to rubbing CBD on your legs, yep. to more Norma Tech, to make the food, to prep your drop bags for the next day, to make your body like you're so not like yeah you're trying like it's a race to get in bed by a reasonable hour yeah you're not and then you have a mandatory race for meeting every night at five yeah I so live we, without that we just uh it's nonstop yeah but you know 
You don't do anything else. Like, I didn't check email. I didn't call my wife. I didn't check in with anybody. Like, it was, we were at least very focused on what we were going to do. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and I think that is the nice thing to be so immersed is that um, that's really all you can focus on. Yeah. I mean, there's there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Um, you, that's just what you're doing. That's your job for a week. Um, so that was stage one. Stage, stage one, one, I had so much fun, and I think it helped set the tone for the week for me. Yeah, like, likewise, um, I, finished the, I finished stage one at a, at a good time on my bike computer Mm -hmm. but in terms of my uh assigned time on the start gun i was an hour in last place for my division for cat one i was an hour in last place and it just helped to um re-solidify the lesson i learned when i caught up with you on course which was dude you're here chasing your friends on bikes having fun Uh, i i appealed to the uci guys was like hey you know would you take an hour off my time i started an hour late this is my story and they heard my story they were super cool and they decided, you know, as of the next morning... They did morning, take time to consider it. They, they didn't t- just yeah. immediately shoot you down. No, they said, we're going to get together, we'll chat about it. And they decided the next morning at the start of stage two, you you have the time you have. We're not going to credit you an hour, which was good for me because it allowed me to really embrace stage two in the start of stage two with you and Roger and all of us at the start line together and doing this thing together. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um Stage two started downtown Breckenridge. Yeah, uh, right there in town. Um, it's the Colorado Trail Day. Yeah. Um, 41.34 miles and 6,700 feet of climbing. Now, for those of you listening and have ridden the Colorado Trail, as soon as we say the term Colorado Trail, know that it is an arduous trail. Like The Colorado Trail is nearly pure single track for the most part. But it is rocky, and it was built as a hiking trail. So it was not built as buffed-out turns in super flow mountain bike. It was built as a, as a hiking trail. It has had since improvements. But when we talk about 41 miles, those are going to be pretty hard-fought miles. And that, that was every day. I mean, I, there was no underhand soft pitches. I mean, every day you were earning every foot, every every mile was, was earned. Um. But yeah, this day I, uh, I I'm I'm kind of sitting here looking back at this course profile. I got all the maps sitting in front of me right now, and uh, there's two two moments that I very distinctly recall. One of them is this kind of low point where we it was just that like pedally rhythm section. I just couldn't get into that. Oh, you know what would have helped you? Huh? I got stung on the <laughs> lip by a bee in that section. <laughs> I forgot about that. I got stung on the lip <laughs> by a bee. And my lower lip swelled up like half hitch, half bubba from Forrest Gump. And I was like so blown out. Everybody I went by, I'm like, man, I got stung by a bee. Like, that's all I said. Uh, so that was that point. Yeah. That was a, uh, was this the day? And, and I'm, you'll, you're so much more familiar with these, these trails than I am. And that all kind of mishmashed into a, just a week of riding bikes that I don't remember each individual course super vividly. Um, was this the day that we did that really cool descent back into Breckenridge? This had the super, super rocky, techie downhill to the creek crossing where we crossed the road that three years ago I introduced you to yeah. Magic Beans. <laughs> yeah, Magic Beans. And then we got back onto the CT yeah. and then you go into Breckenridge yeah, yeah. and you drop into town. Yeah. Um, so, that was that day, yeah. Yeah, so, so honestly, this day wasn't a standout day for me in... It was it was unremarkable. Um, I think 
the whole day was just kind of a mentality of, you know, Sunday was extremely difficult. Um, just from a weather perspective, from a, um, just like a mental tax perspective, et cetera, that day two, I just, I won't say I had blinders on and there wasn't any real pivotal moment for me that day, um, except for, fin- you know, finishing and taking another day off the, off the week. Yeah. So there's this funny thing that happens. Um, when you race a stage race, uh, and again, I, I, I learned this at La Ruta, forgot to tell you guys before Breck Epic, cause I'm a jerk, bad teammate. But when you tax the body physically, you can even bounce back the next day and be like, dude, I feel like, okay to ride. Like I might be sore. Or I might be a little tired. Um, but I can ride mm-hmm. physically like the muscles can do it. But the central nervous system, when it gets a shock, when it gets a huge workload, like day one was a huge workload, like you yeah. drain the tank. Mm-hmm. The central nervous system and the nervous system doesn't recover at the same rate. So on your second day of racing a stage race, and everyone saw this, you'll be limited in your ability to get your heart rate up. Like you can look down and be like, man, I'm pedaling hard. Like I, my legs are working and your heart rate is stuck. Like most people can't get it mm-hmm. very high. Um, the entire system is depressed. So it can't, it just can't churn and burn like it typically does. And I feel like most people felt that on day two. Yeah. Um, I was even riding with people and I brought this because I'm like the nerd on the bike. Like, well, you know, you're a central nervous system. <laughs> they're like, dude, we're going up a, a spot called Vomit Hill right now. Like, yeah. Or no, that wasn't Vomit We're going up, uh, there was a, a, was, a there, was, there hill. was Heinous Hill. Heinous Hill. We're going up Heinous Hill, bro. I don't need to know the science behind your, yeah. you know. It just sucks. Thanks, Bill Nye. Um, but that is what happens. And I felt like a lot of people felt that depressed system yeah. on day two. I, however, was on day three. Yeah, you're on day three. And most people on day three, what you'll feel is like kind of finding a rhythm. Mm-hmm. So for me, day two was a huge rhythm day. So when I started, we all started together, right? And I was like, hey, we're going to start together, guys. Let's Dude, get a picture. Got- <laughs> so <laughs> Justin, the night before and the morning of is like, yeah, you know, with the time deficit, you know, I just really like, this will be a good exercise for me to, to focus on, on, you know, just living in the moment and having fun with you guys and, and like doing this race with you guys. Start gun goes off. Justin literally says, have a great day guys. And <laughs> takes off like a shot. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm sitting here like, we started way back in the field, you know, um, like kind of like a comfortable, like, you know, maybe kind of mid, if there's like 350 the people, we're probably in the back third, top yeah. of the back third. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I'm like, <laughs> it goes to, to one, I'm like, I gotta get all these people out of my way. Yeah. And so I'm paper boy and, and ping ponging through everybody. <laughs> and I'm like, fight my way up. And, and I do, I get up towards, towards the front of the race, like not with the UCI pros, but definitely towards the front. And, uh, and I start hammering and I am feeling good, dude. I'm like, I'm in a rhythm. So I'm just starting just, and I, we get into single track and I'm just tearing people off. I'm coming off trail and I'm passing fools. And I distinctly remember passing this guy, had a Breck bike guides Jersey on. And I know he's in my category. So I pass him and start sending the downhill. Right. And that's one of, I think our benefits, both you and I, yeah. uh, over a lot of these I could guys pick is, a lot of people on, yeah, a, on a downhill. We can rip the downhill. So I'm ripping the downhill and it hits me. I got to take a piss. So I'm like, dude, I got to pee. And I'm not going to pee myself. Like, this is just a fun race, right? I mean, this is going to be a fun race. How do we always get here um, on our podcast? Uh, so I go, I'm not going to pee myself. This is a fun race. I'm not going to pee myself. 
So I'm just hammering it. I'm like, dude, I really got to. But I just passed this guy. And there's, a, a, there's an etiquette on passing people. If you pass somebody, you can't then like have them leapfrog, like yeah. right past, like be respectful. If you're gonna make the pass, make the pass, but drop me, yeah. right? Like let's not, don't let me creep back up on you. So I'm gonna drop this dude, right? Well, I'm like, dude, I, I, I really got, I gotta go. And so I just do. I'm like, listen, I, at Leadville, be, mind you, I didn't pee myself once at Leadville. I stopped three times to pee. Um, I don't know why I did, but I did, and ultimately I PR'd. So I'm learning lessons like maybe you should be an adult, right? And not pee on yourself. Just because we call bibs a diaper doesn't yeah, mean doesn't, you need to like, use it as such. a diaper. Like yeah. I, this has been a big maturation since our first podcast in January. Like yeah. I'm now ready to let it go. Well, I can't stop, so I have to just let it go. Yeah. So I whip off my right leg. Because you got new shoes. Because I have brand new shoes. They're red. They match the bike. They're like perfect. Like they match my helmet. I told you, OCD. These shoes, they're not going to pee them. I don't want to pee them. So I pull my right foot off the pedal. And I'm going to pee because and, and with my foot off, it's going to beautifully roll off my calf to the dirt below. Like that's the plan. So I whip this leg off and I start going. And it, I got, so I'm going. So I go to pull my foot back on the pedal. Well, I didn't get pee in my shoe, but my pedal was drenched. So I went to put my foot back on the pedal. My foot slips off the pedal. It spins around and whacks me in the back of the calf. Like the biggest Charlie horse you've ever had uh. in your life. And I'm like, oh my God, that is the lesson learned. Like I'm never peeing myself again. And mark my words, I didn't for the next six days, five days. But now I've got a Charlie horse in my calf. I can't let this dude catch me. <laughs> and I'm like, that's right. I'm feeling good. Keep hammering. Yeah. 10 minutes later is when I get stung in the lip by a bee. And I'm like, dude, I'm really, I'm up a creek here. Yeah. Uh, that stage ended up for me being a great stage because I got to I got to race again. And after day one, but I was so by myself lost, like, am I even on course to, I found everybody to, crap, now I'm an hour behind, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I got into full race mode on stage two and I ended up coming through the finish line, passing some of my solid rivals like some ri- real rivals that i have like lars and zimmerman and um N- mark nesline like some guys that are super fast i respect them all like mm-hmm. friends with them but i also want to kick their ass you right. know and so i got to beat all of them on that stage and i was like dude i'm at the breck epic like that was the f- that was the moment for me where i'm like dude i'm in the i forgot about leadville i didn't think about it again mm-hmm. i'm in this race dude this nice. is awesome nice in that day sandwich, finished Huh? In the sandwich at the finish line. Was that the day with the sandwich? The first time we got introduced to bacon, pickle, mayo, barbecue chip sandwiches. Only, and like, <laughs> it was life-changing. It was so good. It was so good. I don't even like mayo, really. Listen, everything about that whole sandwich does not say, Justin, you're a fitness professional who's an adult. <laughs> <laughs> I ate nine of them it was after the first so, day. But... I feel like it's super unique to that scenario. Like, if somebody walked in here right now and was like, hey, I got these sandwiches, I'd probably throw them down the stairs. Yeah, I'd be like, dude, obviously you just went to the dispensary down the way. Yeah, right. Um, but that day finished, uh, we have the same finish area three days in a row. Uh, three, yeah, yeah, three days in a row. But that day finished um, in a really cool little downhill area. Like yeah, like, there was a, like it was part park, and then you get out onto Fire Access Jeep Road, and then it finishes off in a, a little little downhill area. Yeah, they had, and they had just finished that trail. Actually, the trail wasn't even done. They had finished it for the race, mm-hmm. done enough. They couldn't even get the equipment out of there. The equipment was yeah. still like off to the side of the yep. trail. So they had 
worked really hard to finish that downhill, which it was. It was a sweet finish, and it put a smile on your face. It was like winning the last hand <laughs> in, in Vegas or like a last slot pull, and you're like, well, I guess I'll come back. You yeah, know, yeah. it was one of those finishes. Yeah, so it felt really, you know, it's it's nice to finish on a real downhill, and we'll revenish, revisit that finish uh, on the next stage, uh, where I was not having fun and spitting nails. Um, Me neither. But um, yeah, that day, like day two, was very much. I hesitate to say autopilot, but um, yeah, the defining moment of that day for me was finishing. Yeah, just you know. And it's so weird, like, even at my lowest points throughout the whole race, coming across the finish line, seeing you and Roger, like, instantly, like, just being done with the day was such a big moment that each day, even if I had had dark moments on course, that getting to the finish area and seeing the people that you'd been with all day and seeing you guys was just like, it had the ability to change the tone of the whole day up to that point. Yeah, we talked about that, and I'll revisit that on the recast, but... The ability to have those highs definitely lets let you balance the lows. But yeah. uh, the finish lines were always great. Even at the start of the races, um, I was I was looking forward to that same moment. That like after the fact, we get to talk about how the day went. Yeah, just uh, kind of relive everything great. and chat with everybody. And um, yeah, it's always fun just to rehash. Oh, do you remember that part where insert whatever? Right. Um, so we got so with two days underneath ourselves. The the other great deal was. The weather swung after day one, and it was sunny all day, day two, and it was going to be sunny for the rest of the week. Yeah, we couldn't. Uh, I'm, I don't think you could have asked for better weather moving forward from from Sunday. No, and I mean, and then all the all the rain from Sunday gave us tacky dirt. Oh, so dude, the trails were so good. Trails were in primo condition, even mm-hmm. with hundreds of riders on them. Yeah. The trail was always still just good. I will say, I think that's one of the things that impressed me about the terrain up there is you could have 500 racers go through in a day, and it didn't really look like it. No, yeah, a lot of times you'll see a course just blown to hell. Um, it, yeah, it wasn't. But uh, stage three got us going on to the first real, like they call it the Breck Epic. And I think day one was epic because of the rain. Yeah. And, which, again, is why you should have had to do it to get the buckle. Uh, but th- the first two days were, were mountain biking trails. Um, day three, stage three, was really the first, like, we're doing this high alpine Bad mofo. Is this what they call the queen stage? Or is it the next no, day? No, that's the next one. Okay. This is Mount Guillot. Guillot. Guyot. <laughs> yeah. Mount Guyot. Mount Guillot, French. Uh, if you, It's always weird when you like say the only one word yeah. in a foreign language. Like, yeah, yeah. Mount Guillot. Yeah. You know? I feel like you should be saying mount feel, in some sort of... Yeah, I feel fake. Yeah. <laughs> but that's what it's called. So, <laughs> yeah. Mount Guillot. Uh, so, Mount Guillot... Uh, what passes did we? So it's the circumnavigation. Like basically, you ride around Mount Guillot. Yeah, and you go up and over French Pass. French Pass. So the really the the profile of this bad boy is, you know, a good up, a little undulate, and then a steep up to the top of French Pass. Yeah. Um, people want to ask like, how high was French Pass? Well, it was high enough that when you got to the top of it, there was still a massive snowfield. Yeah. That you had to uh, ride down or make your way down. Um, and then you drop back down uh, below tree line and, and back into some rolling terrain and some fire road. And then you go back up and over the Continental Divide again a second time. So yeah. you go over the Continental Divide twice on this single stage. So basically up and over, ride around a little bit, come back up and over and finish the race. I think the, in terms of mileage and you elevation. You got 39 miles that day and 
basically another 6,700 or 6,900 feet of climbing that day. So just, just south of 7,000 feet of climbing. Yeah. Um, it's fun. Just, I mean, again, stage two is a blur. I barely remember it. I mean, basically I was following arrows and just pedaling. <laughs> Um, but now, you know, looking back at this course profile, I'm kind of reliving a couple of moments that I very clearly and distinctly remember. Um, this was the day that they had those three avalanche fields that they had to clear. Yeah. So Colorado had the biggest snowfall year in a long while, had an amazing ski season with that comes avalanches. I actually is, as often as I'm in the mountains, uh, high Alpine mountains camping summer and winter. I never really saw the effects of avalanches once all the melt comes through. And so it, you know, an avalanche destroys a hillside, right? Like thousands and thousands of pounds of trees just to the apron, right? Yeah. Uh, To the valley floor. Well, there's trails there. And uh, they had to send out crews for three weeks. They were out there with chainsaws just trying to cut enough damage, uh, damaged terrain or, or avalanche terrain cut enough trail for us to have a 18 inch wide ability to ride a bike through, or in some cases, carry a bike through Carry hike, just whatever, it just made it passable. through. It made it passable. And it was when you saw it, you, they talked about it the night before when you saw it, you were like, Holy shit. Like you remember that game Kerplunk with the marbles and the sticks. <laughs> it was like, if like a, a, a monkey played Kerplunk, like that was the aftermath. And yeah. then they're just chainsawing through there. And, uh, that stuff is so dense that when you're going through it, you see all the snow that's still there, just buried because it's just buried. Yeah, I I I don't do winter sports, and so the chances of me running into anything avalanche related is basically zero. <laughs> right, <laughs> um, and seeing the swath of destruction that these three avalanche fields had created was mind-blowing I, I mean it's scary shit i can't even wrap my head around these people who get caught in avalanches and survive yeah there's not a lot of them there's not a lot of them for <laughs> sure but i mean you know you you see you know there's plenty of videos floating around where some guys on one ridge video and his buddy coming down another and it all works out okay yeah, yeah. and like just looking at that i'm like man that seems really scary yeah it's uh it's wild the amount of force that they push and, yeah. and we got to see it so it's crazy um, but then we start the ascent. Like once you get through those is pretty much when you start that ascent up French pass. Yeah. You get up. Yeah. You're going up there and, uh, you know, there's a lot of times in this race, not a lot. There's a few times in this race where you really have to think about your economy. So I could pedal this section right now and burn a ton of matches to go 3.1 miles an hour, or I could just get off my bike and walk at 2.5 miles an hour and not be completely wasted and maybe even, you know, eat and drink while I'm walking. And there are several spots throughout the six day race where you have to kind of, um, levy that between yourself. Like, man, is this worth it or not? I was doing it hour over hour. Right. I mean, seriously, when you're to, to further your point, like you just, you know, that on a given day, you only have so much. And then throughout the week, you, you only have so much. Right. And, And I think that stage, stage three really forced people to think about that. And so I think for a stage three, for a lot of people, they were suffering. Yeah. I think walking up Mount French Pass was a lot of suffering for a lot of people. Yeah, it was. I mean, there was a ton of moments. So we got to depend, uh, descend Little French. Right. Which was a ton of fun. A ton of fun. Because we had basically walked up it in the rain on day one. 
you got to descend a little French, and then you made the climb through the avalanche terrain, and then you make the, the climb up to French Pass. You get to the top of French Pass, and there's a snowfield. And, you know, with <laughs> as much work as they had done to clear thousands of pounds of trees. <laughs> they just stopped. They just stopped at the <laughs> snowfield and left it a complete open white apron and yeah. said, in your little spikily, dangly, dangly shoes, yeah. figure it out. figure it out. Yeah. I figured it out by doing my best impersonation of um, somebody sliding into first base. <laughs> I just kind of put the bike next to me and slid down that fucker. <laughs> I watched so many different ways for people to get down. Uh, I tried to ride it because I'm like, I do cyclocross. I, I can do anything. <laughs> and uh, that worked sort of-ish for a tiny bit. But then I ended up just kind of like pogo sticking a leg and being on the bike down. But once you got through it, you had about four and a half miles Oh, dude, it was sweet. Stupid good downhill. Yep. Like crazy good downhill. And with day three being uh, another day that started as a mass start and me doing the same thing, like, Harley and Roger, have a fun day. See you, <laughs> See you later. <laughs> I was up at a, at a, in a good group, and it was stage three was, was shaping up to be my best day. Yeah. And so when I got to Guillaume, we rode pretty much everything and just hiked the very, very last bit. You got a handful of Skittles, which... This race does an unbelievable job of having tiny little elements where you're like, dude, that was dope, yeah. right? And the first time you really got to see it was at the top of French Pass. There's dudes with giant bags of Skittles, and later in the race they had like gummy bears. And I don't eat Skittles again, you know, fitness professional. Adult, but when, adult. When I'm on the top of French Pass in a six day bike race, and someone offers me a handful of Skittles. I'm chipmunking two cheekfuls of those bastards. <laughs> and that's sure shit what I did. Yeah. And so I started the descent and I got two cheeks full of Skittles. And before I knew it, I was at aid station number one in like an hour. Yeah. Or yeah, an hour were, and a half. You were we flying were that day. Flying. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't know when you want to get into that part. Well, I was trying to let you have your defining moment from day well, I stage mean, three. I, I think... <sighs> My defining moment was there was two moments that really solidified day three as a good day for me. Um, day one, um, having recently done the firecracker, I knew I, I was familiar with a lot of what we rode and all the way up into riding in that big old flume down to Carter Park. Um, and as I finished day one, I, I kind of had a thought to myself of, well, enjoy the fact that you were familiar with a lot of the terrain that day because it's the last day. It's the only day that you're really going to know a lot of what, what you're riding. And not for nothing, when you're mountain biking and it's a hard day, starting to see familiar things kind of helps make you feel a little bit better. makes you feel like, okay, I'm in familiar territory and I know where I'm going. Um, and so I was just like, all right, well, enjoy it because that's it. And then um, day three, um, we hit some stuff that I knew, and I was stoked. Um, that that descent off the back of Georgia Pass, right? Yeah, the Colorado Trail. Yep, Colorado Trail. Um, that wasn't my first like real defining moment. The first one was the the descent off of uh, off of French. I just it was one of those days where it felt perfect, you know, like. Every corner, every uh, technical feature, not that it was crazy technical, but... Well, I just said it was technical for non-mountain bikers, tell yeah, you that much. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, it, it, that downhill just felt perfect, and I I had the the that feeling of man, you're just you're in it, you're in the groove. Um, I was passing a ton of riders, so that first descent felt really good. Um, and then that Colorado Trail descent is burly, and it's burly for 20 minutes. Yeah, if you if you guys need a ride uh, and you're in Colorado, Kenosha Pass to Georgia Pass down to Breck mm-hmm. is such an awesome ride. And uh, <clears throat> some years back, Harley and I were training for Leadville. And uh, because I think, it, hopefully those listening have picked up on this, I, I play the brain game much more than the like specific cycling you know, uh, training game. And I said, hey, you know what, guys? We need to have a real fun ride before Leadville because there's going to be a lot of times we're not having fun. So let's do this fun ride I know about. So we're going to start in Kenosha Pass and, and in Breckenridge, and we'll drop a car there to bring us back. So that was the fun ride. Well, it ended up being like four and a half hours and at, at several points both uh harley and dan were like this is not fun and uh and you're an asshole <laughs> and you're an asshole <laughs> and that's when i introduced them to my magic beans which are dark chocolate covered espresso beans which can turn any frown upside down that's true and they got some of those after this descent we're talking about off colorado trail which is super awesome through the woods that's high alpine great turns it's almost got some flow it feels fast and then it gets to super rocky awesome badass sort of kind of get in it mountain biking and then you cross back into Colorado trail so it's it's just really the it's it's the definition of of trail mountain biking yeah I think that part of trail yeah I mean it's it's the funny thing for me was up to that that fun ride <clears throat> the uh <laughs> the only experience I'd had on Colorado trail was out in uh, Buffalo Creek in uh in pine and uh if you've ever ridden the Buffalo or the uh, the Colorado Trail out in uh, the Buffalo Creek area, it's pretty much the opposite of this. You know, most of the Colorado Trail that I'd ridden was pretty smooth, pretty buff, nothing super steep or rocky. And this section of Colorado Trail is out to get you. Yeah, it will, and it did get a lot of people. Um, it got people uh, blowing up tires. It got people yeah. tearing sidewalls. It got people walking. Yep. And since we're about halfway through, I think we can kind of get to some like midweek takeaways. And this was a, a defining moment for the race where I realized that anytime I saw a downhill profile, it wasn't going to be recovery. Yeah. There wasn't a lot, like you said earlier, there's not a lot of soft tosses here. Um, you better be on your game. Yeah. Um, um, so that was steep and rocky and it's just, if you just were to somehow shuttle to the top and do it as a descent, you could probably torch the whole thing top to bottom, no problem. But when it's coming, I'm going to look, I'm going to pick up this piece of paper here, but I mean, it's coming in at mile 20 of a, of a 40 mile day after you just done some pretty hard riding up to it. Um, you're looking for a little respite and it's not there. No. Um, that said, it felt good to be riding some familiar terrain. Cause I at least had some clue what was coming. And at the end of the day, when I uploaded my uh, my ride that night, I PR'd the fucker. So yeah, I'll take it. <laughs> um, I loved that day up until that point. Well, through that point, yeah. So stage three was probably my my strongest performance um, so far. Yeah, and I was hauling the mail. I was up there cooking, and um, good buddy Lars. Super fast guy. They end up taking second place in the men's duo category, him and his teammate. 
crazy, crazy fast guys. And, you know, I end up, I'm riding with them. I end up dropping them. They end up bridging back. And we end up just kind of doing this, like I'm pulling, then I'm descending away. They're catching back up. I'm pulling. And so we are flying. We get to the point where probably in the top 40 riders, and mind you, 33 of them are UCI pros. Right. We're at the very top of the field. And uh, they start to pull away from me a little bit at a section and of, of road, and I lose them briefly. And you get into this flume trail. Um, after that Colorado descent, you do some road climbing. You get to this flume trail. And it's basically like a, a, a bench cut side hill trail that isn't really cut very well in spots. So you kind of like feel like you're going to fall off the mountain a bit. But it, it just undulates and is pretty flat. It's flat for a long yeah, time. Yeah, it's real flat, but it's kind of like unengaging flat. You kind of can get... I got bored. Yeah. Um, then you come out of there, though. You're back on the Jeep road. And then you have a punch-you-in-the-mouth, super steep section of Jeep road. And that is where the wheels fell off the Breck Epic train for me. Around mile 32? At mile 32. Explicitly, I remember looking at the computer. <laughs> so I got a lot of time to look at the computer. So we're coming up on mile 32, and it's this punch-you-in-the-mouth, super steep section, and I need to use every bit of easy gear my bike's got. So I shift into the 50, the biggest chain ring on my cassette. And as soon as I shift into my 50, I hear, bing, and I look down at my bike, and all my air is out of my tire. How the shit did this happen? So I get off the bike, and I I look, and I see I've broken a spoke. And I'm like, son of a bitch, I broke a spoke. So I must have shifted into that 50 from my 42, and it just jumped a little bit and hit a spoke. But the chain must somehow like jump back on the cassette. I don't really know how this all happened. Now, all I know is that I have a broken spoke, and I don't have any air. So I'll find the spoke. I pull it back because it pushed in. I pull it back into the, the wheel, and I grab a CO2, and I blast the tire, hoping it's going to seal up. It doesn't seal up. So I've now got a flat tire. Okay. So I just pushed to the top of this steep section. And now I'm I'm in the trail. Uh, Amy Beisel, she's a pro, uh, female rider, super strong rider, comes flying up. She goes, get out of the trail. And I'm like, don't even start with me right now. Because <laughs> I'm having my best day. And I just blew a tire. And it just went. Like, I just got a mechanical. Yeah. And then my buddy Mark, who, uh, he's a single speed rider as well. And he's he's in a podium condition for single speed, but the nicest guy on the plane, I've talked about him on the podcast, he always stops to help people. And that morning specifically, I said, you cannot stop to help people. Like you're in position. Yeah, yeah. Right? You're in a podium spot. You're like you got to go. It's even when that day started, um, it's really clustered at the start. And I was riding behind him and I'm calling him out like, hey guys, single speed on your right, let him through to help give him area. Because like, he won't do it for himself. No, he's too nice. Not too, He's just super nice. And he's... So I'm like, Mark, you're racing. Don't help anybody. Well, come to find out, he passed me. And he he's like, I can't help you. <laughs> yeah, no, you told so me can't not to. You. And I'm like, <laughs> you're right. You can't help me. Just go. So try to fix this. Okay, I can't fix the tire. It's flat. <clears throat> That's all right. I got Cush Core. And I'm Cush gonna, Core, for anybody who doesn't know, is a tire insert that protects right. your rim. If you get a flat, you can just ride on you it. You can ride, and it's like riding it's on not 10 ideal. PSI. Yeah. So you wouldn't ever go on a bike ride with 10 PSI, but you could limp back to your car. Yeah. At you mile, can certainly finish seven miles of a race. At mile 32, I have seven miles left, most of it downhill. Um, you can do this, okay? So I say, screw it. I'm just gonna pedal the uh the I'm just gonna pedal the flat wheel, flat tire. I go to pedal and it just is like this god-awful like just grinding, grinding metal. and I'm like, oh dude, the derailleur is now like in the wheel. So I get off and I manually just bend the derailleur out of the wheel. 
which thereby renders it useless. And now I can't pedal the wheel at all. So nothing's going to be pedaled. This bike is pretty incapacitated at this point. Um, but I'm still going to sit on it and ride it on all these downhills. Best you can, right. And, and I'm going to figure out what I'm going to do in these flats and these uphills. Yeah. So I get on the bike and I start riding it downhill. And at this point, I go, I'm kind of out of beating people I was with, but I'm so far ahead that I can at least maintain and probably have a pretty good finish. So I'm cruising down. And this is how how lazy I'm doing it. I'm cruising down with one hand on the handlebar. And Harley, I'm sitting here eating shot blocks. So I'm just eating some shot blocks and cruising with it. I'm just like, downhill so that means i'm not balling it i'm not sending the mail yeah um but i'm moving you know probably moving 17 18 miles an hour something like that so i'm cruising eating these shot blocks as i'm riding i'm just riding 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 then i get (laughs) underneath me what the hell was that lay on the brakes and i assumed my repair kit fell into my tire or something like that and i look repair kit's fine it's on the back of the seat still and the frame is broken in half the frame underneath my ass disintegrated at like a crux point. You know, like you can't not like have this part of the yeah. bike. And I just remember in the moment just smiling and thinking, well, I guess, I guess you win. And I don't know who the you was at that point in time. But it wasn't like, you. It wasn't me. <laughs> like, <laughs> as a racer, when you get a mechanical, you get pissed, right? Yeah. You're like, son of a bitch. Like, why? Shit. This well, is so inconvenient. As a bike rider. Right. Right. Period. Right. Like, so. I broke a spoke. I lost my air. This is a pain in the ass. My bike won't hold air. This is a pain in the ass. My bike won't pedal and shift now because the derailleur is jacked. This is a pain in the ass. My bike just broke in half. No longer is this a pain in the ass. It is now just a, oh, there it is. You're you're done. Like at what point do you, and and I think you hit, I think you found the point where you're just like, dude, I I either (laughs) laugh or I like, just walk off the the nearest cliff. Yeah, like there was there. There's nothing to do but laugh. And yeah. I took. I here's here's the point. I stopped. I took my jersey off. I pulled my bib straps off because they're not comfortable. <laughs> I put my jersey back on, and then I went through my assortment of waffles to find the flavor I truly wanted. <laughs> instead of just taking whatever my hand grabs. And you know what? In that moment, I was like, dude, I got a seven mile hike in this beautiful backcountry. It was um, stage three's Tuesday. Yeah. So if I wasn't there, I would be at work. I love my work, but I would be at work, yeah. um, and I'm not right now. And I just went for a hike. So people are passing by me, all these dudes that I just blasted all day, right? They're like, hey, man, you need anything? Yeah, um, I need a wheel. I need a derailleur. I need a size extra large bike frame. What do you yeah. got for you, me? You got any of that in no, your pocket? No, oh, huh, go figure. No, dude, I'm good. Yeah. Guys, go by. How are you? So I just enjoyed my hike, and I got to yeah. a point where I was kind of done hiking. So after a couple of miles, I'm looking at this bike frame, and I realize... You can't break broke. It's, it's, yeah. Like, like it is as gone as it's going to get. You can't surpass being just so, fucked. Yeah. So, <laughs> so for the rest of that, that, uh, ride, anytime there was a descent or an area that was descent ish, I was like, screw it, man, I'm riding this thing. Yeah. So I sat on it with a uh, one foot clipped in, the other foot out to be a, like a safety bailout. Like scootered it. Yeah. And I just stridered that bike and just the whole time I'm doing it, this is going. <laughs> through a turn and I'm like dude this Harley's got a problem on his hands when he gets done with this bike race because yeah. this is this is a frame you got to deal with yeah um anyhow that yeah. was how my day stage finished well and it was hilarious so I the end of this course can literally go screw itself because okay. the the course profile shows it as a downhill it ends they call it the same finish as the day before which ended on a great downhill 
It don't end on a downhill. No, no. They take you on that great downhill, Fuck. and you hear like you can Larry, hear him, and then you, you hear turn. Larry calling people out. Uh, the finish line and the music played, and you go the opposite direction. Yeah. And at that point, for you, I'm sure you're like, "This is bullshit." Oh, all the way. For me, I'm like, I see the finish almost, you know. Yeah. And I have a broken bike, and I'm like, I can just walk to the finish. But you're not supposed to get a belt buckle cutting course. Right. You're not supposed to get a belt buckle not doing the course. Right. So I walked away from the finish line, just the same as you rode. Yep. It was like, yeah, stay on trail. You got to stay yeah. on course. Yeah. And this is some bullshit course. And yeah, so and I, I even in a moment of uncharacteristic frustration on the trail. There's, you know, probably five or six other racers around me. And I, I asked out loud at a very high volume, if anybody could explain to me why the last downhill wasn't a downhill. <laughs> <laughs> and everyone's grumbling. I'm sure. Everybody's, everybody started laughing, myself included. Yeah. Uh, and uh, so I was, that was like a low point, even though it was the end of the day. And then I come across the finish line and I have my moment of like, fuck yeah, I finished for the day, take another one off. And then I see Justin who looks mad at me. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, okay, like, I guess I'll just eat my sandwich real fast. Yeah. You didn't get much of a celebration. Uh, I actually remember I walked into the finish area and I grabbed you your bike my for bike. you. I just took his bike and I put it on the truck and I'm like, yeah, we're going to get out of we here. We need to go. We need uh, to go. And so, Turns out we had some pretty serious problem solving we needed to do. So so Harley's like, I could just see the confusion. Yeah. Probably much like the confusion of riding away from the finish line noise yeah. at that trail moments ago. And he gets in the car. Now Roger knows the story. So Harley gets in the car and I just start driving away and then I like, didn't drive but 10 feet. I mean, it was out of the parking yeah, area. Yeah, and I was like, I probably need to explain why we're so fast right now. <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, Harley, get get out of the truck. Just and come, it was very like, yeah. I didn't even think about the, the courtesy of, hey, would you mind get Harley, get out of the truck. Yeah. So we go to the back. I go, will you look at my bike and explain to me what's wrong? <laughs> and Harley looks at it, and he looks at me, and he looks at it, and he just goes, I don't, I don't. I'm speechless right now. Yeah, I couldn't in that moment had no ability to problem solve that particular <laughs> issue. <laughs> if we just give it, I'm like, all right, let's get back. I mean, I couldn't have problem solved like a Lego puzzle at that moment. Right. But like, you know. Um so we had like so that's that we're at the midpoint in the week. So I think yep. um at this point we have to problem solve Justin continuing racing. And yep. um I think we're we're settling into some lessons too. Yeah, well, you know, we're halfway through. You've done three three days of racing. We're in a rhythm. As you said, we all had roles. Yep. You know, Roger's doing drop bags. Uh, I, I'm cooking the dinners. Roger's doing the cleaning. You're handling all the bike-related everything, taking care of the logistics on that re- on that regard. Um, and we now we now have a rhythm. Yep. And so with the rhythm comes lessons. Yeah. Um, so I think we need to give a really, really big uh, commendation to – uh, the guys here at the shop for prepping a bike for you. Totally. Um, and then uh, I would say even bigger uh, props to to Ben for loading a bike on the back of his truck, driving an hour and a bit to Breckenridge, sitting down and eating with us, and then driving back home to his family in the middle of the week because a bike is broken. Dude, Ellison came through as a hero. I mean, clutch. Clutch hero. Um yeah, we were. So I had a single. Your speed. week would have been done. No, I mean, I had well, a single speed yeah. in the back of the truck from Leadville. Yeah. Um, after three days of riding the terrain that we were on, I had no desire to like single speeds. 
not to sound like hippie, but it's a state of mind. Yeah. And I was by no means in the state You're of mind. So far from it. To be grinding up that stuff on one gear after like, I've already had, I'm an hour delayed out of the gate. And now I have a broken bike and I just walked for an hour and 45 minutes. It took me to walk those seven miles. So, um, yeah, I'm not, I'm not ready to ride a single speed. So the only option was a bike coming up from Denver and me going to get one. And Ellison came through in the clutch goes, dude, I got you. Yeah. Drives it up. It was awesome. Yeah, that was that was pretty amazing. So, Ben, you saved the race. Saved the race, Ben. At least for me, um, which you know we did this together, and it would have impacted all of us if I was like, it would have been a bummer to see you, know, you jump out. Like, yeah. I mean, we all would have gotten it, um, but it would have been a huge drag to to see your your week in that way. 